Hello, and welcome to the Extension Experience Podcast with your hosts, Josh Bouchong, Trent Malachik, and Dana Zook. Here you'll find insights into Oklahoma agriculture from West Area Specialists employed by Oklahoma State University Extension. Their perspectives come from assisting county educators and producers in the areas of agronomy, animal science, and economics. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. My name is Trent Malachik. I'm Dana Zuck. And Josh Bashong. I've had issues knowing what kind of mineral to feed, Dana. And as how many of these topics get started and ideas come about for the podcast, it's failures I've had on my own operation, it seems. <laughs> and I was having a conversation with another producer about herd health and things of that nature. And as we get into fall, we think about feeding our cattle more and we see our cattle more because we're, we're going out and feeding, whether it's supplements or hay and things like that. So I feel like this is a good time of year to start talking about mineral again. And we'll say that cattle need mineral at all times of the year because they're always going to be some deficiency uh, from peak performance based on the type of forage that they're eating. But as we get into the fall, and maybe that'll give you a lead into what you could talk about some is, you know, our forages are changing from actively growing green lush forage to either standing dormant forage to hay and hay can mean various things as we've talked Mm -hmm. about. It could be mature hay. It could be hay that was harvested early in the spring. So how do we go about tailoring that mineral package to our animals based on forage type that's available? Okay. So exactly what you said, our, our forage quality is kind of on the downhill slide right now. So typically what we see with um, forages that are still growing in some situations, but you know, in this area, it's really dry. So we're kind of going into that dormant stage. So we see um, early on in the season, a lot of, you know, our mineral values can be pretty good you know, early on in the fall winter grazing season. Now, as that plant weathers, as it's been snowed on or hopefully rained on over the next couple months, the availability, um, the quality of the mineral content goes down. And and that, you know, you would expect that as that plant kind of degrades a little bit, weathers, the sun sits on it, you know, that that's where we lose that quality. And so, You need to be thinking because we are we're going in. Some people are going into late gestation for cows um, and mineral needs will vary according to stage of production. So if you're a January, February calver, it's probably about time to be thinking about what kind of minerals do I need in that cow that will help her, you know, when she has that calf, you know, and and immediately following in lactation. So it's kind of time to start thinking about those things. Yeah. And. As you change minerals, I've found, you know, we've talked a lot uh, together about cattle consumption and, and mm-hmm. the types of minerals they want to eat. If you're switching mineral, there could be a lag in performance there as, as a cow gets used to a new type of mineral or, or kind of adapts herself to that new mineral you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about, I'm talking about new minerals. Maybe it's worth talking about uh, the different types of mineral packages there are. Okay. Yeah. So there's some that um, you can get pretty cheap mineral. Like, I don't know what you've seen in the store. You can get. I've seen like $13 a bag mineral. Yeah. Pretty cheap stuff. Pretty cheap mineral. Um, 
It just depends on what you can afford. Okay. Everybody has different levels of goals and production goals that they have for their cows. So, you know, there's some pretty cheap mineral. You want to make sure that that mineral doesn't necessarily get rained on or get wet because it probably will turn to a hard rock. You know, minerals are rocks essentially. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, if it gets wet, it will pretty much get really hard and, and less palatable. And a lot of times those minerals are a little less palatable. So, um, those minerals may not be as available to the animal also, um, internally. So they could consume an appropriate labeled amount, but it kind of goes right through them. Um, but you know, so that can do them some good. So any mineral, a lot of times is better than nothing. Okay. Then you have, you have some chelated minerals, some minerals that have claims that they're more available to the animal. The absorption rates are higher. Those are going to be more expensive. Um, and those, you know, those have a lot of trace minerals. You can get trace mineral packages, um, minerals specific to grazing or, um, not grazing, of course, but also, um, stress cattle, um, breeding cattle, you know, they're specific. And a lot of times those are more organic forms, more available to the animal, um, chelated minerals. There's just some different levels. And a lot of times with those more available minerals, just like, uh, higher quality food, it's more expensive. Yeah. And you talked about those different types of cattle, that those types of minerals are intended for stressed out cattle, donor cattle, mm -hmm. you're talking about embryo donors or something mm -hmm. like that. But that can help all cattle. Yes. I think that's just a marketing game. It is. Yes. <laughs> because some of it is because, you know, your cheap mineral might be 10, $13 a bag. That mineral's getting up into the $40 bag range. Absolutely. And, you know, that's not necessarily something people like to like to spend money on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You've got to look at your budget. And like we've talked about, you know, think about your health program. Have you had a lot of health issues in your cattle? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about this in the last couple of weeks. You know, if you've had some health issues in the past, specifically eye problems, hoof problems. So if you've had some foot rot or, you know, I mean, not all of those are mineral related, but it could be that it is part of the problem. And so um, some of those situations really would benefit from maybe taking a look at your mineral program trying to see if there's something that might help you along the way. Because even a $40 bag of mineral, Trent, I don't know how that can, how that compares to a shot of Draxin, $40 shot of Draxin, yeah. you know, or, you know, those products, you know, antibiotics and those types of things you, you have to, as producers, we have to look at it as a cost, you know, on a cost basis, cost per head, you know, how, how do things affect us long-term overall? I mean, yes, $40 on a bag of mineral is expensive, but if you can offset some health problems and a lot of times you may not know, mm -hmm. but sometimes it could be worth a try. Yeah. And that's one of those investments that's hard to see when you feed a cow, a bale of alfalfa, she gets fat in a day because she loads mm -hmm. up on it. You can see that change, but that's the hard thing for me as a producer. Whenever I look at investing in mineral is I'm, I know the science tells me it's helping. I'm pretty sure it's working. But you just, there's no visual there necessarily. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's important for producers. You know, there are things you can do that don't necessarily have that immediate return on investment. Mm -hmm. That's apparent. Yeah. Know? Because, it, and that just makes it tough. But talking about consumption and cost of mineral, that kind of gets me into another area. Uh, how do I adjust how much my cattle eat in terms of mineral? Are there ways that I can reduce or, or increase okay. mineral consumption on my herd? Because 
every herd I have is different. I'll have a herd that'll just eat a bag every time I put it out versus I'll have some where I'll put a bag out and it, they hardly touch it all summer. So, so it, what is causing some of that in, in your experience and, and what are some ideas on changing that? Okay. So that's an extremely common question. Uh, many, many times a year, I get that question. Oh, my cows are eating too much mineral. Or they won't eat anything. And a lot of times I think it's because of the brand or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, they could. they So over. I'm not a big believer of they're going to they're going to eat mineral because they need specifically magnesium or that sort of thing. I don't know anything about cow psychology, but I believe, you know, they'll eat it in some ways if they need it. You know, salt plays a role in that, too. So. Consumption is affected by the quality of the forage, like you said. Um, and um, so we can control consumption by following the label. Okay. So a lot of times our minerals are two ounce consumption, four ounce consumption. That's either an eighth or a quarter of a pound per head per day. So um, with a 50, bag, 50 pound bag of mineral, we know how many cows um, can consume that, how long it will take them on it. So if it takes a week to consume one bag, I say put one bag out, one bag a week. Uh, just because a mineral feeder goes empty doesn't mean that they need to be fed again. Um, and we've talked about that. That can lead to some, you know, um, some toxicities in some situations. If you're feeding, you know, twice the labeled rate or one and a half times, I'm not sure that that would cause a toxicity, but you need to keep that in mind. And so you can do adjust consumption also by moving the mineral feeder around. So if you don't feel like they're eating enough, this is the other end of the spectrum, um, move the mineral feeder to a place where your cows um, uh, hang out, (laughs) you know, the loafing areas by your water source, you know, at, you know, close to where they come, come and go, where you feed that sort of thing Um, that can, can kind of help um, consumption because they're curious. They're going to consume a little bit. Um, and a lot of times if, uh, cows are doing it, calves will do it as well. Um, it, you know, mineral feeders can make a difference as well. And you've talked about that with me. As mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And you know, you, you hear those bull feeders or the bull flat feeders, you know, they got the tarp on top of, mm-hmm. and they got to lift that tarp up. I have, in my experience that limits consumption of mineral a bunch on my herd. Maybe the adult cows figure that out and they do pretty well with it. But if you want your babies, your calves out there to be eating minerals, sometimes that's pretty tough for them to figure out, especially if they have to fight for their spot at the mineral feeder, which is another thing to consider. Mm-hmm. Yes. How many head are attending the mineral feeder? How, how many mineral feeders should I have? Do you have any ideas on that? Or Well, it depends on the mineral feeder and how much you're putting out at a time. But, you know, I... That's hard. I would think, you know, 20 cows could get by with one, you know, decent size mineral feeder. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have more than that, because they won't typically all be at, it's not like you're feeding. Now, if I mean, yeah, if you put out minerals, sometimes cows will really go after it. They'll think, oh, my gosh, he's feeding something out of a bag. So we need to go eat it. Mm-hmm. You know, that you, know, you might need to need You need to have a little bit more if that's the case. A few more mineral feeders. But those are costly, too. So. Um, don't base the first time you put out the mineral, don't base that on how many mineral feeders you need. Cause over time, not all the cows will eat at, at one time. So I've used in my past, I've used and sold those with the flap on the top, mm-hmm. like you said, with the three compartments, 
um, you know, three or four cows can get around that pretty easily. And those have worked well, but I, you have used the open, they kind of like are standing kind of yeah, the wind vane feeders. Okay. Kind of something like that. About. And yeah. they move around. Do they turn? Yeah. They'll, they'll turn. turn based on the wind. So those are pretty, you know, nice. They can just step right up there and yeah. eat out of them. Um, just depends on your cost. I've seen guys who, um, have been kind of innovative. They've used some of the, an old mineral tub or something, maybe not an old one because it would be breakable brittle but put concrete like a, some a little bit of concrete in the bottom of that to keep it down hold it down so they can't push it around and just mm. you know feed it in that uh it just depends on what you're willing to spend but um having a um something that's stable and will stay in one place is probably the most important and if they can get access to it too and in my experience keeping that mineral dries very important for consumption. Yep. We have the rain guard technologies and things like that that say you don't necessarily have to feed it in a covered feeder. But in my experience, anytime mineral gets wet, they just they won't mess with it. If it turns into a brick. Mm-hmm. You know, then then you got consumption problems. That's why loose mineral is considered better uh, for cattle because they can consume it easier and faster, especially if they have limited time at that mineral feeder. So I I would always suggest having something to keep water off of that mineral. Yeah. So, so there's, we talk about the types. So you mentioned it. So loose mineral, we're talking about loose mineral. I'm a proponent of loose mineral, but there are options out there. People can feed mineral in, in, um, kind of like a, a liquid feed sort of situation. You can get mineral, um, in a kind of a sticky tub, a molasses based tub. You can get it that way or a hard block. You know, you're similar to the salt blocks. They will you can get a trace mineral blocks, that sort of thing. Consumption is limited the harder it is. So if you think about eating something, I think about how, how long would I have to stand at a block and lick it before I could consume a, a you know, eighth of a pound? I mean, you know, that would take some time. And so some of those products work. It just depends on what your operation has used in the past, how consumption is over time. If you don't have any problems and you're using a block, a block works great for you. You know, it, it just depends on what um, your goals are, right? There's lots of good products out there. Just, you know, it just varies what, what works best. But if you're looking for, you know, accurate consumption, it's a little bit easier to keep track of a loose mineral um, consumption. Um, and and they, they will eat it a little bit easier. Yeah. And in my experience, the trace mineral blocks, you got to be pretty careful on looking at ingredients, comparing apples to apples, because they yes. tend to be fairly lacking in some of the mm-hmm. micronutrients and things like that, that and, and even vitamins. Mm-hmm. Very rarely you'll see yeah. vitamins in there. And I, I feel like that's pretty important for people to consider is just because it says mineral on it, it's not the, necessarily the same thing. There's a reason different minerals cost different amounts. Like I saw one, I switched over to a, a more of a fall mineral here recently, and it looked like it even had some kind of grain in it. It, okay. Yes. In, yeah. So I'm like a carrier. Yeah, yeah. Trying to increase consumption. Probably it, it might not be as palatable on its own. So all those things go into why it costs more. And I think mm-hmm. that's pretty important for people to consider. But sometimes when I've had animals just attack mineral, like I was putting out feed, I found, and this is my guess that it's salt deficiency because once I put out salt blocks, they they'll consume the mineral at a more reasonable rate. Is that an, an accepted practice? Is that a good idea? So, yes. So salt, every animal needs salt. Um, salt is used a variety of different ways. Some minerals contain salt, you know, so you want to look at that. If your mineral has a little salt in it, 
maybe you could try it out and see how it goes um, before you provide a salt block. But a salt block is pretty inexpensive, you know, just adds to whatever you're doing. So the one thing I would discourage is I know the practices out there to reduce mineral consumption is to mix your mineral with loose salt. Now, if that's not labeled that way, I'd really discourage anybody doing that because like we're talking about here, mineral consumption is really important. And if you want to limit it, just put it out according to the label. Mm-hmm. Um, when you put salt in it, uh, it's just it really is adding another layer of, you know, affecting that consumption rate. Um, and so just put it out according to what they need. Um, don't mix it with salt because we always want to follow the label. And if it, if there's some additives in that mineral that could throw some things off there, um, just feed it according to the label. Those labels are, you know, researched and, and they're there for a reason. Yeah. I would say there's a lot of information and, and research that goes into those mixtures and that's uh-huh. in the bag. And I completely agree with you. You know, why would you want to limit something that you're supposedly putting out there to help those mm-hmm. animals? Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to make it unpalatable because you're going to have some some animals in that herd that have a higher tolerance to a salty taste. So they might eat more of that than another one. You'd, you'd, you don't really want to limit it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's one big thing of mineral um, supplementation is is not doing that. But you can provide it in the same same mineral feeder as long as, you know, it's separate, mm-hmm. you know, like the three, you know, separate containers, you know, you can provide loose salt. That's fine. Or a salt block. I, I think that's completely appropriate. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Cause okay. I'm sure I'm going to throw you a curveball. Sure. a little bit. Here we but, go. <laughs> but when it comes to blocks, there's all different colors. Oh yeah. Do you want to get into any of <laughs> any reasons why that exists? Is do we need to be concerned necessarily with that? Are they old wives tales that have kind of just persisted over time? So, Okay, so let's let's I'll just like show that I'm not as up on all this as I should be. But so the yellow salt blocks are sulfur blocks, right? Yeah. Okay. I uh I I'm not sure really of the like we talked, what's the consumption on an actual block, you know, if that's really making a huge difference and and what is our extreme need of sulfur specifically? Sulfur salt. Um, so my background on that, because yeah, I've please. done some research. Yes. Okay. Please add to this because this wasn't part of I, my research. I did this on purpose just yeah, to make her did. nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, I'm good. But when it comes to sulfur blocks, the research I done, because I would always see sulfur blocks out on wheat pasture. Okay. And I was thinking, is there something about wheat that is lacking in sulfur? And Greg might be listening to this and he might, me, he might call us later. And, and that is Greg Heibel. Yeah. Greg Heibel. He might give us some insight. Yeah. But of all the research I did, I could not find that wheat was necessarily lacking in sulfur. Okay. And more research I did, it got back to there was a belief years ago that more sulfur in the diet reduced insect pressure and fly pressure. Okay. And I thought, why do I see sulfur blocks out on wheat pasture? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, because it's, it's the winter time. <laughs> so, so that's what I got into. Um, I might just leave it there. Well, that if you. You know, if you're doing something, have a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't good. just because you see somebody else doing something. It, mm-hmm. You know, there could be things with bloat that go on reason, but there are bloat blocks that are specifically designed for that purpose. So just don't just look at your neighbor and look at what they have out there and, mm-hmm. and mimic them. Talk to someone, a nutritionist or a county agent or someone that actually knows uh, 
what that animal might actually need. Yeah. And I think now that I think about it, I think it might have been somebody, some industry person or something like that. Maybe, you know, years ago, they when they first came out with these, they said that this was something that was really great. And so, you know how things go. Uh, as families hand down over generations are operational, they've always fed a yellow salt block. Um, so that could be part of it too. Um, just the commonality. It's never hurt anybody, but I don't know if it's done any, you know, good necessarily, but it's a practice of least consequence that could be part of it. But yeah, I, I knew you were going to kind of throw me that. So there's a variety of different, you know, colors and that sort of thing. Some companies color their mineral just to help producers like, no, this is for green growing grass season. This is for dormant grass season. So that's kind of helpful. Um, I don't think the colors necessarily probably make a huge difference. Um, yeah, because with the yellow, you got sulfur. We don't have very many blue blocks around here. That's iodine. iodine. Yes. And that's more of a northern thing. If I, I remember that. Yeah. yeah, we never did anything like that. But And then your red is your trace mineral, which isn't loose minerals smashed together. It is. It tends to be different mm-hmm. and lower in, in some of those nutrients. And then you got just your plain white salt block, which I would be the advocate of. Yes. Yes. Uh, just basic. Yeah. Give, um, give them the salt block. Give them loose mineral or, mm-hmm. or like you said, feed additives or something that's a mineral package. Also yeah. keep in mind that if you're feeding cubes, cubes can have added mineral, added yes. vitamins. And if you're worried about consumption, my cattle aren't eating enough mineral, but you're feeding cubes every day. You got to consider that they're getting some of that need from those, those different sources as well. Absolutely. So also if you're feeding a pretty decent, high quality, like Bermuda grass hay that was cut right or you know, even a native grass hay that was cut earlier on in the season could be high in minerals. So you don't have, don't feel like you have to provide, you know, if you're looking at the mineral requirements of beef cows, you don't have to provide a hundred percent of their mineral need in the mineral, uh, unless you just really have nothing else. If you're Mm -hmm. feeding lower quality, you know, forages or something like that, you don't always have to provide a hundred percent of their need. Now, should we talk just about some basic minerals? So, you know, some things that producers should look for. I'm not going to get into, you know, the specific percentages. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about. So the things I always like producers to know is, you know, I the big four on minerals are calcium, phosphorus, potassium and magnesium. So those are the macro minerals, main minerals that we need. So you always want um Two, two times more calcium than phosphorus because, you know, just a variety of things. But you like to have a good calcium base. Calcium helps. Calcium and phosphorus are important for bone growth and so many things, you know, room and health and, and that Milk sort of thing. Production. Milk I'm production. Sure yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So if, you know, really important, especially, you know, if we're heading into a dry time, maybe cows have, you know, lower quality forage, make sure you're providing a good mineral because you know, that has good calcium in it. We could have, if you have cows that are going to calve in a lower body condition, we could have issues with um, milk fever, you know, if they don't have a good calcium base, um, just weak calves. Calcium is just so important. Um, potassium is very high in, in lush growing forages. If you have cows on wheat pasture um, or it calves, you have plenty of cal- pat- potassium um, and, and high levels of potassium can throw off everything else and so um just winter winter mind. pastures are a little bit different yes and we haven't their, got into that but 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 wheat will tend to be high in phosphorus because we fertilize mm-hmm. with a lot yes. of phosphorus and that's not necessarily the case with lush growing pastures in our native ranges yes good so, clarification absolutely so 
It, it's complicated. It is kind of complicated. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, but actually that is, that is a very good point. And we probably won't have time to talk about wheat pasture mineral needs today, but they also have those, you know, those big four, you know, minerals you've got to keep in mind. Calcium, phosphorus, you know, understanding that relationship is very important for all types of animals. And then magnesium, um, important for beef cows. Um, there's this, you know, everybody thinks on wheat pasture, you need high mag mineral. That's not necessarily, um, as important for stalker calves as it is, as it is for cows. So it is a common practice to, you know, toss your cows on a wheat pasture or small grains pasture for a period of time in the winter. Cause we don't have great, you know, native grass, um, quality during mm-hmm. that time. And so make sure you have a high mag mineral for those cows because the potassium is so high. Um, high magnesium, high calcium is important for those cows, um, to prevent grass tetany. And in the, in the spring, as you're leaning up February, March, magnesium is important for those beef cows. All right, listeners, you heard it here first. Cattle need mineral. Uh, (laughs) but no, that's, it's an age old question. Uh, and we get a lot of questions every year from producers about it. You're not alone. If you're confused about what's going on here, it, it is a little bit rocket science when you get down to it from a nutritional standpoint. And it's so confusing, especially when you get more than one herd of cows. If you're, you're just getting into this or something and you see that different herds are uh, consuming mineral at different rates and, and different amounts, uh, sometimes it just has to do with water source can be a big factor in that. I've mm-hmm. found it seems if you've got wet cattle on well water versus a pond, oh, yes. that can affect the amount of mineral they eat. So ask a professional, uh, come to the extension office, get some help. If you, if you have questions about that, not all minerals are the same and they cost different amounts for, for good reasons. So we really appreciate you listening to this podcast. Uh, we'll get into stalkers at some other yeah, time or uh, even dive deeper into it, but we mm-hmm. want to kind of gloss, I mean, gloss it over, but cover the high points today. Yeah, and yeah. So again, what, what was a big four again, just to remind so us? So calcium, phosphorus, potassium, and magnesium. And that's not like an industry term. That's, I guess, a Dana Zook term. But yeah. uh, so those are the things to kind of think about. Yeah, we'll trademark that later. Yeah. But <laughs> thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. If you would like to hear more or follow up on the discussed topics, please reach out to your local county extension agent. OSU has a presence in all 77 counties with educators eager to assist you. Also, please consider checking the description for links to our social media pages and further information pertinent to the conversation. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon.